We are in a series in Ecclesiastes. I am going to shorten it a little bit so that we can stay on schedule. Um, lunch is going to be provided at 11.45, so I've got about 25 minutes. Uh, kids, listen. This is going to be a message. The title of it is, All Will Be Well with Wisdom. It is about the wisdom of God. And so, every time you hear me say the word wisdom or wise or um, whatever, when it comes to wisdom or wise, mark it down. And I have a reward for you at the end of my message. So, um, just make sure you catch this. That's what I'm going to be doing this morning. And if you're, you're correct or close to the count, um, you will receive that reward. It was about 10 years ago, Marilyn and I were standing in this city saying, this can't be the right way. It makes no sense. This is a dead end street, but it's the only way to go where we need to go. And every street we seem to head down goes in the wrong direction. We were in Venice, Italy, and we were on our way to try to find a place called St. Mark's Square. St. Mark's Square is about the size of a football field. So it's not as though it's a hard place to find. But in Venice, all the streets are narrow and the buildings are tall and they lead in many directions. They're just wide enough for a horse and rider to go down. That's how narrow these streets are. And our first day there was troubling. We were trying to find our hotel, much less anything else, to find our way to St. Mark's Square. And we were... We were just looking all around, and eventually on a building we see an arrow with a sign that says, To St. Mark's Square. And as we began to walk, we realized every building had an arrow on it with a sign that said, To St. Mark's Square, which eventually led us there, and to our joy, discovered that that's where all the ice cream gelato shops were as well when we made our way there. It it was the signs that pointed us in the right way. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, which is where we are this morning, it it is a chapter that helps us understand the wisdom of God and and the signs that that help us see the wisdom of God, signs that point to the wisdom of God. The preacher here in Ecclesiastes 8, and we've been in the Ecclesiastes series now since uh, early February, and so we're making our way through this intriguing, mysterious, sometimes confusing, and wonderfully insightful book about life in our world. Life under the sun, as the the author of Ecclesiastes says, again and again. And so the preacher here in chapter 8 is trying to navigate through the problems that he sees in life. Signs point this way and that. and, And as he observes, he sees things like those who are in authority misusing their authority. He sees the wicked prospering rather than having consequences for their evil, and he sees the righteous wrongly treated. And so he begins in chapter one, chapter eight, with this question in verse one, who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. In essence, he is saying, who is really wise and who can rightly interpret this crazy life 
that we experience, this crazy life that we live. And we know that only God is wise and only God knows fully how to interpret the world around us. But Scripture also teaches that we can be wise. We can be wise like God because we are made in the image of God. And God has promised us wisdom. And the, the Proverbs teaches us this. As we read through the book of Proverbs, it teaches us that wisdom, if you read through particularly the first nine chapters, that wisdom brings understanding and knowledge and protection and righteousness and favor and success. And, and having the benefits of wisdom, as we see in, in verse 1 of chapter 8, a man's wisdom makes his face shine. You want to you wanna have a, a cheerful countenance? You want to have a joyful life? Wisdom is the way to go. It will make your face shine. And so my proposition this morning is this, and since we do not have any projection, um, I'm just going to say it. You're going to have to write fast because we are moving on. When life does not make sense, if we trust God and follow his wisdom, it will show us the right way to go. When life does not make sense, if we trust God, And follow his wisdom. It will show us the right way to go. In this passage, we will learn that walking in God's wisdom, though, does not always change the world around us. But it does change us. It does change who we are. And like Christian in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, we too are on a journey. And... A journey that requires wisdom for us to stay on God's path, to accept the challenges that we come to along the pathway, and to have faith to persevere until the end. We need wisdom for that journey. We need wisdom for our journey. So my main points this morning are this, because three times in this, in this passage, the, the preacher says that he observes, he saw, I saw. And so he speaks of three areas that where, where wisdom is so desperately needed. And those three areas are this, submitting to those in authority. We need wisdom to submit to those in authority. We need wisdom, secondly, to fear God. And thirdly, we need wisdom to enjoy life. To enjoy life. So, number one, wisdom submitting to those in authority. Those verses two through nine, the preacher writes, I say, keep the king's commands because of God's oath to him. So there's there's a command to us. Keep the king's commands. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps the command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's troubles lie heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for all who can tell him, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has the power to retain the spirit or the power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had the power over man to his hurt. It's, it's not natural for us. Here he's speaking about life under a king, living life under a king. 
And sometimes this king isn't necessarily a good king. Sometimes he is a, an abusive king. And if you expand this passage a little bit more, you can really apply this. You can apply this to governments. Sometimes we live under governments that are not good. Sometimes we live under governments that are certainly not godly. We live under governments that do not follow the wisdom of God. We live under governments that cause us fear. We live under governments that cause us concern. And here, the preacher is communicating, I say, keep the king's command. And what he is talking about there is, listen, there is... It is not natural for us as human beings to submit to those in authority. I've had the privilege of raising three children with my wife, Marilyn. Not once in all those years did we have to teach our children how to disobey. (laughs) We had to teach them how to obey and to submit to our Authority. It wasn't in their nature to come to us and say, Mom and Dad, I am so grateful for your leadership and just can't wait to obey any word that you have to say to me. Now, if you have those children, I'm willing to keep them in my home as well. But they weren't in my house. Submission to authority is not natural. And especially to those who sometimes we believe are ungodly. So even as Christians, when we observe the government around us, we observe those in leadership around us who we think are ungodly, we can have a hard time submitting to them. How do we submit to them? And it is, it is counterintuitive to us as Christians to submit to those who are ungodly. But Scripture makes it clear in Romans 13. Scripture makes it clear here. We are to submit to those in authority unless they ask us to do something unbiblical or unethical. We submit to those in authority. Douglas O'Donnell in his commentary said, Some of us wrongly think that to freely serve God, we must be free from the yoke of any godless government. Christ was not completely opposed to Caesar. Do you remember on the coin, he said, whose, whose picture is on the coin? It's Caesar's. Good. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God. So he goes on, God is not opposed to government. For even ungodly governments can be used as his servants for the church's good. So we need wisdom to know how to submit to the authorities around us. Whatever government God has given to rule over us, we are to respect it and we are to submit to it. And that is in in verse 5, as we can see here. Whoever keeps the command will know no evil thing. And he begins in verse 2 by saying, keep the king's command. So, So we obey the government around us. And we have men to help us do that. We have Garrett Rikuchi, who drives around in a patrol car, making sure that I will obey the speed limit and the laws. Um, And we have Abe, who will shoot me if I don't. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) If we truly believe that God is sovereign, then we believe that he providentially rules 
through those he has assigned to lead, to those he has put into government. And so wisdom is needed for us. We, we need God's wisdom to know how to submit to authority, to keep God's commands, keep the king's commands, the government who God has put in authority. We need wisdom to do that. Now, every situation is different, but the wisdom of God is always perfect. And so our responsibility is, is to look to God for wisdom as he has us submit to those who are in authority over us. And, and, and understand this, um, the, those in authority around us don't always get it right. You know, they, they make many mistakes, your pastor makes many mistakes. Your other pastor an announcement makes many mistakes. I, I watched a bit of the NFL draft the other night. And all of these guys are giving their opinion about who are going to be the greatest players. And listen, Tom Brady was a fifth round draft pick. Joe Montana was a fifth round draft pick. I mean, you, these guys don't always get it right. And, and people in positions of authority don't always get it right. And so when they don't, we need the wisdom of God to know how to navigate through that. And even at times there are those in authority that can hurt us as we see in verse 7. But God, as we see in verse 9, God is the one who is ultimately in control of our lives. Look at verse 8. No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war nor wickedness deliver, will deliver those who are given to it. So he, he's saying, look, nobody controls your eternity. Only God. And so wisdom is needed to live a godly life in a fallen world. In a fallen world with fallen governments which can be corrupt, evil, or ungodly. So the first thing is we need wisdom to submit to the authorities that God places in our lives. Secondly, we need wisdom to know how to fear God rightly. Look at verse 10. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used, they used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is also vanity. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. We need wisdom to understand the fear of God. The preacher is tempted to despair when he observes the wicked and the consequences. He's, he's sitting there in verse 10. I saw the wicked buried and they used to go in and out of the holy place and they were praised in the city. He's lamenting. He's disgusting. That the wicked have, that are, they're praised. That the wicked don't somehow experience the consequences that they deserve. He's, he's like the psalmist in Psalm 73 who says, why do the wicked prosper? And out comes his typical response. This is vanity. This is, is meaningless. But it isn't long before the preacher begins to see life not from under the sun, but from above, from God's view, that 
The Lord is the one who has the last word. That wisdom has the last word. Because in verse 12 he goes, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God. Those who fear God. He believes what he cannot see, that one day all will be well for everyone who lives in the fear of the Lord. Now the question is, what is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of God? For the Christian, I want you to know it is not a feeling of terror, of abject terror, but rather a heart that is reverent towards God, awed by God, receptive to God, has faith in God, is obedient to God, and loves God. That is what the fear of the Lord is. Kent Hughes says in his commentary, those who fear God are said to fear before him, verse 12, meaning that they know they are in his presence. Get that? To fear God. There's this sense that I am always before the presence of God. Most people, including many Christians, go through life hardly realizing that they are constantly in the presence of God. But the person who fears God knows that God is always near. And that, that is wisdom. The wise person knows that God is always near. Proverbs is rich in teaching us this connection between wisdom and the fear of God. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 3, 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 8, 13, fear the, Lord, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 10, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. But the years of the wicked will be short. Proverbs 14. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. That one may turn away from the snares of death. And Proverbs 23. Let not your heart envy sinners. But continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. I want to fear the Lord. I want to live a life that is aware of God's presence. At every moment. Not just on Sunday. Not just at care group, not just when I sit down maybe to read my Bible, but that when I'm driving, when I'm sitting with my wife, when I'm going on a walk, when I'm at a baseball game yesterday, what I want to know that God is always present. That is the fear of the Lord. That is where wisdom comes because that protects us. It hopefully helps us to step back from maybe an unwise thought or comment we're about to make or unwise decision that God is near and I fear Him. That is wisdom. And finally, we need wisdom to enjoy life. Look at verses 14 and 15. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. In other words, sadly, he is seeing the righteous experience the consequences of the wicked, and the wicked experience the the good things of the righteous. And and it confuses him. And he says, "I, 
how do I make sense of this? How do I interpret this knowing that God is sovereign and yet he allows this to happen? But he goes on, he goes on to say in verse 15, well, actually he finishes by saying, I said this is also vanity. He comes to that same conclusion and in verse 15 he says, and I commend joy. I commend joy. I commend joy for man has no good thing under the sun, but to eat and drink and be joyful for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. We need wisdom to find joy in this life, wisdom to enjoy the life that God has given us. Oftentimes, listen, if there's one If there's one area that I can remember having to consistently train my children to not do would be complaining. Complaining. I complain in my heart when I'm in traffic. I complain in my heart when I have to wait in line at the grocery store. I complain in my heart because I'm impatient and I battle impatience. What do you complain about? We complain about many things and not see the good gifts that God has given us. And wisdom helps us to see that life isn't as bad as we think it is. In fact, it is much better than we think it is because God is good. God is good to us. And God has given us so much. And we are to enjoy this life that He has provided for us. Eat and drink and be joyful. Now, it's not the eating and drinking that he is talking about from Luke 23, where Jesus is talking about Noah and the people were eating and drinking in his time because they were doing it wickedly, and Sodom and Gomorrah because that was being done in Lot's time wickedly. That's not the eating and drinking he's talking about. He's talking about eating and drinking here under God's providential care and God's goodness. And so he says, hey, Wisdom is needed to enjoy life so you don't become a complainer. What has he not provided for you? What has he not provided? You have salvation. You are a sinner. You were wicked. You were evil. You were going your own way. You were rebelling against the creator of the universe, the one who made you in his image. And he sent his son. What a gift to give you eternal life through his death on the cross and through his resurrection that he might give us a resurrected life, an eternal life. We were undeserving of his mercy. We were undeserving of his grace. And yet he poured out all upon us. What good gifts. And then look at the families that you have. Look at the friends that you have. Look at the church that you have. Look at the pastors that you have. Look at the deacons that you have. I mean that seriously. We, we love you. We're here to serve you. You're here to serve one another. What good gifts have God given you? They're abundant. They are abundant. Earlier in Ecclesiastes 24, the preacher says he has found nothing better than joy. And in verse 15 here, he urges us to experience God's joy, to experience joy in this life. A a person who is wise will not miss the goodness of God. 
because of all the joy that he just brings to your ordinary life. Look at, look at all that you have. You know, Martin Luther said this. He said, never underestimate your daily bread and drink and do not belittle your weekly work. Thank God for such gifts and enjoy this life. And so we need wisdom. We need wisdom to, to know how to, in a godly way, submit to authority. We need wisdom to know how to rightly fear the Lord. And we need wisdom to see life as God wants us to see it and enjoy that life. Now, where do we find this wisdom? Where do we get this wisdom so that we can interpret life around us biblically? Well, this wisdom, two places. 1 Corinthians 1.30, Paul writes, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Wisdom is Christ. He is our wisdom. He is our wisdom. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. You have His wisdom because He is wisdom. Secondly, we ask for it. We ask for it from Christ. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. You want wisdom? Ask God. Not only does He give it, He gives it generously. Not only does He give it generously, He gives it generously without any reproach at all. And so, do you need wisdom to know how to submit to authority at work or at home or in wherever? Do you need that wisdom to understand your government? Ask God for it. Do you need wisdom to fear the Lord in the appropriate manner? Ask God for it. Do you need wisdom to enjoy life? Ask God for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent wisdom to us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful that you have sent him. And now we can be wise, wise to bring glory and honor to your name and help us to do that. So, Lord, we ask for wisdom as a church that you would pour it upon us liberally for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name. Amen.